0: glory be to jesus forever we thank you lord for great things that you do amongst your people this evening we thank you lord because we go home with our faces radiating your glory because we have been with you in the name of jesus we have prayed amen
1: all right the lord is good amen Amen. all right before we take our seats let's do the usual you know what the usual is what do we do with declaration all right we declare okay Alright, so quickly let's take our declaration of understanding. I will take one at the beginning of the prayers. That's the one, the declaration of righteousness. Just for those, because many times we don't capture that in our archives, in our recording. So I'll just re- re- read that one out for those who may not have participated. And then we'll um, take the one we want to take now. So, here at the beginning of prayer is our school of prayer today. And we'll pray for some time now before, for about 30 minutes before this um, teaching is starting. All right, so let me just uh, um, declare that for those who were not with us at the beginning so that we can just, uh, they can learn it too. But like I say all the time, you can go to our website. I just download a short document there. At the start of prayers, we declare the righteousness of God as follows. We enter into the presence of the Father, each one as a renewed child of God. We have not come in the power of the good works which we have done. We have come only because of the grace and mercy which we have in Christ Jesus. We thank the Lord for saving us. We thank the Lord for washing us clean. We have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. We have come to God, the judge of all. We have come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. We have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. We declare in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we always declare when we want to start praying. And the emphasis of that is to, I mean, to me, the most important point there is that we have not come in the power of our good works. We say clearly that we have come only because of the access we have through the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of our own works. It's always a mistake for Christians to go to prayer thinking that God owes them something because of something that they have done. That is giving Satan power in your life. Anytime you come to prayer, don't ever forget this, that the only reason you will be heard is because of the power of the blood of Jesus that washed you and that granted access. What you have done is not checked. What you, have, what you are doing is not what is checked. It is faith in what Jesus did that is checked. So bear that in mind. So what we'll is always declare that. All right, now let's take our Declaration of Understanding before we get into the teaching. Everybody from the bottom of your hearts, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 All right, that's why we open our spirits. And your spirits are declared open today to receive inspiration and understanding from him in Jesus' name. And as that word is coming forth, healing is coming to you in the name of Jesus. Miracles will happen in you in the name of Jesus Christ. Missing parts of the body will be replaced in the name of Jesus. It's just hearing with faith. Just believe what you are hearing and something special is going to happen to somebody today. Now that does not, that is not limited only to those who are physically present here. Wherever you are joining us from, what I always ask is please pay attention. Like somebody said to me today, well, not really talking to me, I was just writing the chat. He said one good side. About this COVID lockdown experience, we will not know how to schedule meetings online. Is so that now he can now mark, mark present in meetings and not even pay attention to what they are doing? So he say he can now multitask. As the meeting is going on, he will have logged in. They will see his name that is there. Say so of course microphone is on mute. He will just be doing something more productive with his time. Now, is that good or bad? That's his issue. What I just want you to do is don't do that if you want the healing power of God or this word to bless you. Don't multitask with it. You can join us from home, no problem. But please, don't do any other thing. If you are doing something else, and this is the background, it's not a sin, but just know that it will not work the way it's supposed to work. If you say you want to join us online, join us. Just like I'm here right now, I'm not doing any other thing. Everybody here right now is not doing any other thing. So even if you are in your home, please don't do any other thing. Lock your door if you have to. Keep standing if sitting down is going to make you sleepy. I don't drink coffee often. You know, you may have heard me say that. I drink I drink coffee once in a while, and it works. If I drink a a cup of coffee, my eyes will shine like this. Why? Because I don't drink it often. I don't even think I have taken coffee in the last uh, one month now. This year, probably I've drank coffee like two three times, and we're already in the middle of March. We're at the end of March, sorry. Uh-huh. So maybe two three times. So it works for me a lot. If I chew cola, that's to keep awake. <laughs> what am I going to say? If you have to go and drink a cup of coffee, go. Do it. In fact, they said coffee drinking, the history of it, the earliest history about it is that those, it was being used by those who meditated all night. They drank coffee, did their mystics, to stay awake so they can do their meditations. What I'm trying to say, if you have to drink coffee to join us for the next one and a half hours, please do that. That is the only way this power will flow into you, the power of God. What I'm saying is don't multitask. Don't do this while you're cooking. Don't do it while you're washing. Focus on that screen. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, focus on it. Mute every other thing. Shut your WhatsApp down. Don't listen to any other thing. Just make sure you're focused on this. And I'm telling you, if you pay that kind of attention, God will reward you with power in your life. And when power flowed into that woman, she was healed of her affliction, something that she has suffered from for many years. I'm convinced. Something even led to me brought up that conviction again in me today. All right, I'm convinced more than ever before. The problem is with us. We don't do what we are supposed to do. We want to receive it as is convenient. The message has to be praise the time I'm doing nothing else. You don't understand God blesses you more if you have to leave something else to attend to it because it's just checking your value system. There are times that God will deliberately clash the delivery of the word with something else for you deliberately. He just wants to see the one you will choose. He just wants to see what you will choose. And that sense of value is the real faith. It's not how much scripture you can memorize or recite. Is that sense of value that is the real faith? So I'm saying to anybody joining us from outside here today, all right, pay attention. What did I say? Yes. All right, please let's take our seats. Those of us who are standing, all right. So please pay attention. And if you are here, I don't need to tell you put off your phone. Do I need to do that? I don't need to. Uh, apart from those who are collecting our magazines, who are new, all right. So if you are here, just keep your device off. Don't be distracted. God wants to bless you. Amen. Amen. Let me say that again. The Lord wants to bless you. All right, the Lord is good. Now we have been talking about how to pray without doubting, warring against doubting, getting rid of doubt. And um we have emphasized again and again. If anybody is listening to this has not been joining us on Saturdays, please try and follow our series on the entrance of faith. One of the things you can do is just to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website very regularly. So yeah, can others subscribe to podcast or check the website regularly. I prefer the podcast because you don't have to go and check. We have a very large archive of about 1,400 or more messages on the website. And all of our books are there. But new messages, all right? If you subscribe to podcasts, they will just, you'll be notified as soon as they are added. And uh, you, can, you can do that if you use an iPhone or you use iTunes on your computer. Just You can easily subscribe. Just go to our, the homepage of our website. You'll see the link. Just click on it. Or you can download the podcast catcher for Android. There's so many of them now. All right? And then um, there's also subscribe by email. That one, you just get a mail when we add something with links inside the email for you to um, click on and download the messages. So I recommend that people do that. You say, how do I do it? You just go to the homepage of our website. You'll see the different links there. So you just click on them, and you'll be automatically subscribed once you fill in your email address for that last one. All right. So the entrance of faith, we've been talking about it, the importance of faith. And anything God wants to do without faith, it will not get done. We need to stir up faith in our hearts. And the negative side of it is what is called doubt, double mindedness. All right? Double mindedness. What is double mindedness? You claim you are asking God for something, but deep inside your heart you're actually expecting something else. And because expectation is um, generated by um by information by information that you accept. Now, expectation that is hope is not the same thing as desire. It's not the same thing as wish. The Bible talks about hope as something that you expect, and you always have a reason to expect the thing. And it works negatively against faith. That's how it does. It works negatively against faith. One man of God I listened to some time ago, um, he said something which is so powerful. Uh, he said that... Um, he, he, he noticed that there are times he believes God for something. It takes time for the thing to manifest. And he said experience has shown him that what he's doing over time, actually, what causes the delay is the fact that he has to fight the doubt inside him. And I have noticed from scriptures that, you know, sometimes we we'll say that once light comes in, darkness goes away. One day I studied the scriptures, I realized it's not always like that. Sometimes the two of them stay in there. So light is there. Darkness is also locking somewhere there. You have to deliberately remove darkness. And you hear the Bible says that, or you read the scriptures, that God separated the light from the darkness. So darkness must be separated. You understand? That's why the Bible says that you have to cleanse yourself of all defilement. Even though you have been born again, you can still have defilement. And sometimes in our hearts, there's defilement. And that's why you have to be careful to make sure that people around you don't feed you with unbelief. Unbelief is very powerful. It's Very, very powerful. And one of the places we get it from is from around. That's why when Jesus would minister to some people, he would take them away from the unbelieving environment. The unbelief could hinder his own power. Seriously. Even though he had the spirit without measure, but unbelief could hinder it. He went to his hometown and he could there do no mighty work. You understand? Because of their unbelief. So you see, that's why we need to fight this doubt and We have to fight double-mindedness. If you have to put people away out of your life like Jesus used to do, you do that. There are people that every time you talk to them, they are, you, know, you know what they call Mr. Negative? They're everything negative. They can't seem to see good in anything. If you have people like that, don't argue with them. Just don't talk with them. Just greet them. How are you doing? Let them be doing all the replying. Let them be speaking about their own lives, don't, not about yours. If you have plans, don't share it with them. If you want to visit somebody, don't even tell them I'm going to visit anybody. Those are the real witches of life. I hope you're getting my point. All this wish that you think is your neighbor that's chasing, that's not, it's your friends. <laughs> because if you say, I want to visit this friend, they say, I'm sure they'll be at home? That, that's the only thing. You know, some people are just like that. They oh, <laughs> they, they're on the negative side of life. If you say, I want to, I want to do an outdoor event, ah, it will rain, no. Some are even so bad, they did not ask you, they just tell you, It will rain, no. You know, rains have begun now. They will even pray for it that may it not rain. They will declare that rain will spoil it. And you find yourself struggling against them all the time. If you have any person like that in your life, cut the person off. If it's your wife or your husband, then you have a prayer point. you go cut away, madam. No, you can't cut away your wife. You can't cut away your husband. That one you have, to, you you will pray all the time. You will pray. You will even learn to close your ears when they start talking negative things. All right? Yeah. You very important. You will you will pray for them. And sometimes, tell please. Don't be flowing negatively like this. You say, I just want you to see reality. I'm not blind. I can see it. Let's create another reality. Like I say all the time, you can face the facts if you want, but only faith creates the new next set of facts you will see. Some will say, face the facts. Listen, those who believe God, they saw the facts. Don't think they did not. The Bible says Abraham considered his body. If you have a King James Bible, you tell you he did not consider. No, that's a mistake. All right, Every other Bible, every translation because those initial translators they were wondering that what do you mean the bible says he considered his body though as good as dead but with respect to the promise of god he did not waver in unbelief that his faith was so strong that even though he could see the negative thing he refused to focus on the negative so sometimes these are the discussions we have sometimes maybe one I, like i tell you my classmates is a mixture of you know christians and non-christians all of that all right you have that mixture I don't really have a problem with unbelievers who talk nonsense. The ones that get to me are believers. They are believers. I see how did experience this afternoon. Somebody shared something, one short video that was so encouraging. All of us were commenting on it. One guy commented. Let me show you the comment at the end. One brother said, Kai, this guy really has a problem with negativity. That's That's what the other person said. Say, this fellow and and I, I just said, the problem I have with him is that he feels so intelligent while doing it, as if he's smarter than the rest of you. Oh. You just look at them and say, why are you like this? Abraham also saw it. He saw everything. Don't think he didn't see it. When he was calling himself father of many nations, he knew the problem. So that when people want to tell me about what's going on in the country, I feel like, do you think I'm as... I I think I'm deaf. I probably read news more than you. In fact, the problem I have, which I'm asking God to help me, heal me of, is I spend a lot of times reading. I check two, three newspapers like three times a day. And I say, What are you looking for? It's boredom. You know, like, just sit you down. Know, before you know what's happening, you know, at the point in time, I took my BBC app, I removed it from my home screen, and left it only d- the deep inside in the apps page. So I have to look for it each time I want to launch it. Now, my mind looks for it, finds it, and launches it before. <laughs> I refuse to install all those news apps because I spend too much time reading the news. There are times I'm walking, maybe on my computer, the phone is beside me it because it's my modem, so it's, it's always connecting to my internet. I'm walking, and if what, you know, when you just want to stretch your back, like, ah, reflexly, you pick the phone, check your messages, and for me, reflexly, pam, 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 I click on the news. There are times it is loading when I kill it, it's enough what am I trying to say? I know the negative things too. I do. I know the negative things. I know the truth. I don't focus on them. It's just practice. I don't. Like Abraham, Abraham too knew the negative things. But focus on them, no. He changed his name, father of many nations. Yes, you can be laughing at me. That's your problem. I know all the negative things, Ibrahim was saying, but this is the promise of God. And then why do I discuss the negative things with people who can't do anything about it? Have you seen it before? Most people would tell you about what's wrong with the country. They can't do anything. And you know the problem? They are part of the major thing wrong with the country. You know that. I hope you know that. They call it like Nigeria. I hope you know our problem is not infrastructure. In Nigeria, no. Infrastructure is not our problem. It's not. You know, infrastructure is built. So it can't be your problem. It's built. Somebody has to build it. You can build it. You and I can build it. And all the countries you want to run to that they have infrastructure, they built it. When I say they built it, everybody built it. Infrastructure is not a problem. We can build it. I hope you know government is not a problem in Nigeria. No, it cannot be. They have been different. Listen, I'm not too old yet, but this is my little life. I've seen so many governments. So. I've seen government. I even saw a person here twice. It was a government I grew up to know. I was a little boy. But I was aware. I was very young, but I knew when he was present the first time. I remember clearly when he handed over to Shagari. I saw one government go, and that government come. And one man said, Nigeria is a very interesting country. He said, they don't have a ruling class. This is a white man that said it. He says, one country that he has seen that there's no ruling class. Anybody can be governor. You've not noticed? Yes. Go and check who the fathers of your current governors are. Nobody's. (laughs) Some people think that the ruling class, the the white man says he's a journalist. He said in Nigeria they don't exist. Today, somebody is governor. And that one is senator. Next week, they've just switched around and you'll see who's the father of the new governor. In court, they're not saying nobody now. Not a politician, not a prominent person, not a traditional ruler, not a multi millionaire. We, you know, in Nigeria, we won't laugh. See, this guy was a tall you know There are governors will laugh at today that this boy, this one, was not a tall the other day. You go to the House of Reps, go to the Senate, all kinds of human means, especially because our governors are so powerful. It's those who serve them that they carry to the House of Reps. I've seen small boys become, they just look at it and say, hey, you, go and be deputy governor. All you need is a secondary school living certificate. You don't even need to go to a tertiary institution. So they, this was a white man, a journalist, you know, from from. It's a British man, I think. He said, "This is a country where he has he has not seen. There's no ruling class. And if you can check those who are ruled before, most of their children are not in politics. You know why? They use the influence to go abroad. So they are there working. They are comfortable. There's one guy. Mention his name. He's a troublemaker in Lagos. Not a politician, but it's a you know what I mean? You know this chief talk thing? Somebody just showed that all his children, all, all of them are abroad. He said, Look, those of you are following him and causing trouble, his children are tucked away safely somewhere. Now, the issue with that is that those children will never enter into politics. As powerful as their father is in politics today, they will never get into it. That's one issue with the Nigerian you know, social environment. Like, I have an article somebody wrote some time ago. He said, if you are a civil servant, please let your children go abroad. There's no problem. <laughs> he said, if you are not rich and your children want to go abroad, he said, please let them go. He said, but if you are, a, if you are rich, if you are an industrialist, he described, if you are a prominent politician, he mentioned a particular group. Say, please don't let them go abroad. It wasn't, It wasn't a believer. I just wanted to explain something. That the problem we have is our wealth is not increasing because people who are rich, they don't train their children to take over their wealth and grow it to another level. They use the wealth to send them abroad. So by the time... So, it says, so you don't frequently find second, third generation wealth. That each generation has to start all over again. And one thing we have noticed that many big businesses, the children can't manage it. The people who come after are hirelings. So the man will build something great. Everybody is talking about him. Then once he retires or dies, a few years later... Another one we start and take over from, take over his prominence. Can we just talk briefly on the side? Which prominent hotel chain do you know in Nigeria that bears somebody's name? That like locally, that is, is a local name. I'm not saying does I'm asking. It's a it's a genuine question. Can you tell me one? When you hear Hilton, I hope you know some is somebody's name. It's somebody's name? But you know, once we build one. Build two. Then you retire. Then your children will go abroad. They have enough money to go abroad and be comfortable. Then the hotel will run down. The other one will grow up beside it and become the prominent hotel in town. But you look at some of those big names you hear. You understand? There's one Hilton here. There's another Hilton. Then they keep on Hiltonizing, Hilton. Um, Henry Ford. For maybe, I don't know how many years, for so many decades... It's him, his children, grandchildren, great grandchildren that are running the company. So you see, Henry Ford III. <laughs> Those are the kind of names you see. And just by the way, you may say, ah, is that not nepotism? Is he your company? <laughs> Start your own. And you may say that, the ch- yeah, it's true. The children are not always good. But there's something about why people do things like that. I'm, I'm understanding some of it now. Is that I saw the, I saw a short story about this man, uh, this great American financier. You know him. Um, of those days, not now, not of today, or long ago. The one that f- f- arranged the money to build the Panama Canal. It wasn't his personal money, but pulled resources together. What's his name? J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan's father was a financier too. I saw one clip somewhere it said at the age of ten. You no, know, by the time he's eight, nine, ten, he's already doing accounting. Father is making him enter figures. till one day he was there doing his calculations and all of that. His father came in. Not, not now. You know, J.P. Morgan's story is how many decades ago. Now, imagine when he was a small boy. His father came in and put a million dollars in cash on the table, something that would be an equivalent of maybe $50 million today. The man put it in cash on the table, told the boy to hold it. The boy carried it, told the boy to fill it, then collected the back from the man, packed it up again, said, then I'll teach you how to make it. Since he was a little boy, <laughs> his father was showing him how to make money, how to how they borrow money, how they gather money, how they issue bonds, how they do you know buy real estate. So by the time he's growing, you understand. By the time he's a young boy in his twenties, he knows everything his father knows. Then he starts multiplying that one. That was why he could buy out, you know. there's what the uh, what the name of the Carnegie. You heard of Andrew Carnegie? He walked up to Carnegie and bought Carnegie Steel one-time payment, bought it off the man, and changed it to U.S. Steel. So don't th- he didn't start the... It, well, I'm not even going to say something. They trained those people. So the experience, growing up in the house, so he learns to run the company. That is why it, th- when things are properly done... Hey, now, I've left my message, haven't I? I'll get back to my message. Okay? I, I know where I left it. That's the problem I have. When you have too much <laughs> to say... Oh, Lord, the Lord is good. I just leave it there. I don't even know. I, I know how I reached there. Now, God has given me an anointing to remember. I have a special anointing for remembering where I went off. It's a new anointing. And it's growing more powerful by the day. Because I'm just wondering why, why I decided to go this far. So, back to what I was saying. You know, okay, let me help you because you are lost. But let me help you find your way back. So, I was talking about the fact that we live in a country where anybody can be anything. You remember that? And I said that to, to prove that the government is not the problem. You remember that? I've helped I, you know, get back now. I didn't, ah, I didn't forget that all. It's a, it's a fresh anointing as I was operating a few years ago and it's getting more... I, I suppose it's more confused than me. I'm telling you. If he gets lost, eh? To find his way back is hard. Do you know why? It's anointing is like that I had like eight years ago. <laughs> you need to get this remembering anointing <laughs> in that area. You have to, no, let me just give you an education. You have to pray about it. God help me, I get missing when I'm preaching. And the Lord will now baptize you with the anointing to remember. Amen? When you get home, pray that prayer. All right, the Lord is good. <laughs> okay, so like I was saying, really, it's not the government as a problem. It's not infrastructure. And I know what I was saying about that. People who complain. Remember that? Yes. What is the problem with every country, like ours? Who can tell me what the problem is? Huh? The people, thank you very much. Of course, the church is the most important part of the people. But the human beings are the problem. All you need to do is go to Centenary Road. <laughs> Apostles way home. Sometimes you take, because there's a hold up there, it should just take you, normally you, you pass in a few seconds because you're driving on the highway. But because of the slowing down, it should take like 15 minutes. But now it takes routinely two hours, three hours, purely because of ir- that is irresponsible driving. That's all. To come from that place now, when I left took there, eh? it was with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, today is Tuesday. You shall help me. Get there on time. Lord, send the angels ahead of me to clear the <laughs> Interceding to pass a road. Not, to, not about safety. Zero dogo block. It was a time that routinely, in a week, it happened to me three times, three hours each time. And as human beings, oh, Nothing. There's nothing specially wrong with the road. Just one side just closed. It's under construction. The other side is good. Just everybody queue up. Why should we queue up when we can scatter it? <laughs> <laughs> That's our attitude. Why queue up when the ah? For you know what's happening. There are four lanes heading in one direction, and no lane going in the other direction. And it's just human beings in discipline. The same people will open their mouths and complain that why is Buhari not doing this? Buhari said, i might the one at Centenary Junction. When I try to make people behave, people engineered Babangida to kick me out of office. Remember, what it gets in discipline? It was this present head of state. Ah, I've tried. I've seen presidents come and return. You no know? head of state. Obasanjo was head of state. He left." He returned after 20 years. How many years after? 79 to 99. Exactly. 20 years exactly. Then Warren left in 1985, I think. Yeah, 85. When did he return? (laughs) Yes. He left power the first time in 1985. I was there then. I still remember the day the coup that kicked him out happened. Babangida. Now, his first tenure... You know what he was doing? He had his, his second in command. Babatunde Idiagun. The man who never used to smile. For many of you, are very young, you don't know. It was known for it. You couldn't get a picture of him smiling. It was a general in the army. He never smiled. Then one day he smiled. It was headline in a newspaper. The day Idiagun smiled. And I can assure you that was the last time. What they were doing that time, their main, their main program was war against indiscipline. How do they call indiscipline? You go to Lagos that time, bus stops, there was a queue. Every bus stop, everywhere all over the country, people queued up. You didn't have to be told. Don't queue first. Don't, just don't queue, just don't queue. So that will beat all of you. They won't arrest you. They just bring Koboko and thrash all of you there. So everybody just learnt to queue up. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes apart, apostle, if it was our first time, this scenario you are saying, nobody will jump that queue. Like nobody. Because next thing you know, a trailer load of soldiers will arrive from it D. And woe betide you if you're not on the queue. Everybody lined up. Everybody did. Civil servants go to work on time. Because the military administrator could just drive to your office, and if he got there before you, he fires you on the spot, not next day. No decree. You just sign your sack at the desk there, he will be sacking you as you are coming. You're welcome, you're sacked, you're welcome, you're sacked. If you try to go to court, they will write a decree that became active last year. <laughs> they were masters of retractive degrees. They write a decree to they backdate it by three weeks to pred- predate the day you came later and you got fired. And then they will write on that decree that says such cases cannot go to court. can only go to the special military tribunal. Every Nigerian says, no, we like your disorder. Leave it like that. <laughs> and when the next head of state came, master of disorder. <laughs> That one, instead of making you a line-up, he will pay you, please, now line-up with the share of money. I didn't call any name more. Did I call your name? The Lord is good. The people are the problem, bear that in mind. That's why I don't criticize government. It's not necessary. The only people, most people criticize is because they are not yet in power. Once we put them in power, it's our turn to it. They'll say, no, you will repair this country later. Let me chop my own now. That is the attitude. Let me just add this one to it. I'm spending so much time on that. The hope is the church. The hope is you and me. We are the ones that we just, and the little things like, you know, at night, you see the way they break traffic lights at night because there's nobody there to arrest? Just sow your seed. What did I say? Just when it gets to your turn, just stop there. Someone, one guy will be behind, honey, that like, move now, move now. Just ask the guy, the light is red. Do one like this. And just stay there. Why? You are sowing a seed. That's what I do. I'm sowing a seed. I'm sewing a seat for order. The other day, I, I, I beat the traffic light red. You know why? I was following two guys in front of me who were just going, going, going. The you know was happening? I was under the traffic light. It was red. I hit my brake. I said, no, if I brake like this, uh, I'll cause an accident. Ha! Huh? That is those two guys. They did, I didn't know that I was following people. <laughs> Follow your destiny in this level. <laughs> I I was with my wife. I was talking to my wife. I got distracted. Ah, so what do I do normally? Ah, that was I ah, know that I felt very bad. That was just a few days ago. Those guys led me into the Bible say don't join the multitude to do evil. I joined the two people to do the evil. So I tell people Christians just sow your seed. You understand my point? Many of the things you will do, you it is you know like it will cost you a bit. Is a seed. Is a seed because the only hope. Do you understand? Is the church. Is you and me. If you don't do it, the country is not going anywhere. The problem with the war against discipline at that time was that it was an outward walk. The people were not renewed inside. The military tried to put us in order. Inside us, we didn't want that kind of order. There was nothing they were asking us to do. That people were not doing in other parts of the world. There was nothing, nothing special. They just said, get to the bus stop, just line up. It's not a big deal. We don't, that time in Lagos, nobody rushed more You waited for your turn. You just stood behind. Is that not good? The same people, when they go abroad, they join the queue. But that was an outward reformation. It didn't happen from inside. So as soon as that government left, we went back to our old ways. And just by the way, hey God, I'm saying so many things, which I've not been sat on my message. Just by the way, is the reason why they would tell you the country was better 50 years ago because the British people were ruling? Was it 51 did they leave? Okay, it's now it's getting to 60 years old. 61 years ago now, right? Yes. they Before that time, country was like this. The truth is that we were not ruling. Somebody who was disciplined was ruling. Are you getting my point? And after he left, the momentum that he generated carried us for the next few years. And little by little, our own inherent decay began to take, th- take things over. And then we began to go down to where we really belong. Ac- yes, true. According to the state of our inner man. I hope you're getting my point. And the only person that can bring us up to where God wants us to be is the church of Christ who will be preaching the word of truth. And who will be practicing the word of truth. And when will become a sizable number in the populace. Everything will fall in line. So remember, that's the assignment you have. Alright, the Lord is good. Alright, so I was saying something. Alright? Now, back to where I went to all of that. So, what was, I began all of this by trying to emphasize the fact all okay, of i said so far, just let, let us know that we don't have the right to complain about what is going on outside. We should realize that the problem is not outside, the problem is inside. Okay? Let's just remember that. So when we're talking about unbelief, doubt, okay, that's what um, we've been trying to discuss. But something I have in my mind um, let's just open this portion of the scriptures to explain that. So unbelief is when we're looking for one thing and we, that's by our wish, our desires, but by our expectation, we are really receiving another. Are you getting my point? Many people who are praying for this country right now, they really don't expect anything good. They are praying in their unbelief. Because the moment you give them an opportunity, the first opportunity you give them, they run. And you know what that means? The prayer they've been praying for the last 10 years is of no effect. You no know, God, God can cancel prayers in areas you don't know that? You can pray a prayer for five years. In the sixth year, you see something that is wrong. They canceled the previous six years. Look at them looking at me strange. Like I said something. Okay, let me even ask you what will be the use of it anyway? Even if they don't cancel it. But actually, it's canceled. It is canceled. It's in the Bible like that. If a man was doing righteousness, then he stops. All the righteousness will be forgotten. That's what the Bible says. Oh, now you are naughty. Look at you. I gave you one scripture, you finally agree with me. <laughs> yeah, it's there. It's there. Faith is faithfulness. The Greek word and the Hebrew word for faith, the, when it comes to to individuals, really refers to faithfulness. So when somebody says, once you believe Jesus Christ, once, you are still saved, even if you deny him. It doesn't make sense. Because you are not saved by that, I agree. Agreement is not the issue. It's faithfulness. You have to be faithful to him to be saved. The moment you stop being faithful to him, you are not saved. You are not saved. You are not saved. You cannot deny Jesus and, like one man said, live for all intents and purposes as an unbeliever and still be saved just because you believed seven years ago. That's not true. That's illogical. It's unscriptural and it's illogical. It's both unscriptural and illogical. The Bible never said so. The word faith in the Bible is the same word as faithfulness. You are not saved. Faith, he said that's why he that does what endures till when? Shall be what? Saved. There's a reason why the Bible uses that expression. Endurance to the end, okay, is what produces salvation. So faith is faithfulness. So if you are praying, okay, and you're not faithful with the prayer, you change your mind. You know, there are some in Some situation we discussed some time ago, me and you, but I can't start talking about it now. So, one of the reasons why the action those men took, all right, in the midst of their wife's critical illnesses, is that they have ended every chance of her recovery. Yes. I think, did I mention it that time? Okay, that's, that's, one, that's one of the problems. And listen, people don't know that Christianity is sacrifice. That's why Jesus says some people have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. Because, see, Faith is a fight. You are at war with an unrelenting enemy. I hope you're getting my point here. So, if you claim you are praying about something, there are times you would rather die. And that's something God doesn't have enough of. A group of people who will say we will believe till we die, even if we don't see the result. But what we have mostly are Christians that are checking that God will, will did this thing this prayer began last year. Till now, you have not done anything. I've seen people change their minds about the role of God in nations. Just because after they prayed for 20 years and walked in righteousness for 20 years, their own country did not change. So they suddenly decided that, no, you don't need faith or righteousness for a country to be built up. It's from their own personal experience. But what is faith? Faith is that once we have discovered the word of God, we will die with it. There's a degree of stubbornness that will just manifest. Not deliberately. Not deliberately you are not being deliberate. It's not just because I want to be stubborn. It's just that a time comes that the only way to change your mind is to deny Christ. Now, when I say deny Christ in this context now, it's not deny Christ as a person, but deny the word. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So there are times you just say, no, let me hold on to this word. What if you die in the process? I died faithfully. Let us leave it like that. And listen to me. Faithful death is glorious in the sight of God. It is. It is. Abraham did not inherit the full land that God wanted to give him till he died. I hope you know that. But he didn't change his mind. How do you know? He trained his children to wait for it. How do you know? Because those ones trained the other children to wait for it. So much that when Joseph... When, uh, when 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 yeah, when Joseph was going to die, he reminded the people, "That don't leave my bones here. Don't leave my bones here. A day will come. You guys are going back. Take my bones with you." What does that tell you? His father told him about that. You don't read any story about Joseph having an encounter with an angel, or oh, did I miss something? No, I'm just thinking about it now. Is there any time you had an angel encounter Joseph? No, everything he knew. He knew because his father loved his mother. And so he transferred that love to the boy. So he spent a lot of time talking with the boy. So he told the boy everything. I can imagine Jacob telling Joseph about Isaac. About that fight he had with Esau. Because of that promise. And these men were not... You see, they didn't... The Bible said they were... No, how do I say it? They were looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. They didn't experience everything at that point in time. So they kept on passing that thing down to the so one generation will not experience it, but he would teach it to the next generation and then wait for it. It might happen in your generation. So I just imagine him telling that story to um, yeah, Joseph. Telling him, about, ah, do you know how come my father Isaac, Isaac, you no, know, our father didn't have us until he was he has been married for twenty years. Ah, is that so ah. And so we see am dead. In fact, you know his own father. Isaac? did you not know remember Isaac? He said laughter. Why is the name laughter? <laughs> what God did caused them to laugh. Eh? The other boys were there in the field causing trouble. Joseph. <laughs> Joseph was hearing everything. Joseph was hearing everything. So that by the time, in fact, I just have this feeling, as I'm talking, I'm just getting that feeling, that probably what happened to Joseph was that he was so full of those words from Jacob. Those words carried him everywhere he went. He got to the house of um, Potiphar. That was the guiding principle of his life. His wife, he, he, I said his wife, his father had told him, listen, no other men's wives, wrong, no. I'm just imagining it. So when Mrs. Potiphar came, he said, ah, hey, there's an inheritance my father told me about. He said, this is how we won't get it. Because he said, he didn't say, how will I do this and I against my master. Is that what he said? He said I do this, I sin against God. The man so believed it that even though he grew old, you know, he grew very old in Egypt, a time came, he died. But when he was going to die, he told them, you are going to take me. He said, a time will come, God will visit you and return you back. You know, I pray you understand the importance of geography to God. He has sent every individual with a geography in mind. Yeah, it's important. So as believers, anytime you want to change geography, pray first. You don't just do it overnight. Mm -hmm. You will pray hard. And when I say pray hard, I don't mean, Lord, this is your will. I mean, Lord, cleanse me of every hurtful thing. You know, every thought. He said, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. My heart. Any reason why I may want to be, you know, Lord, let your let your purpose for my life be, be established. You pray that prayer, it's not every opportunity you jump. Those men had opportunities, they didn't jump. When God moved the whole families to Egypt, they bore it in mind, we are going back home. What am I trying to say about faith? One generation did not receive it. They taught it to the next generation. And th- that next generation lived in obedience to that word until they entered into the promise. By the time they were going to the promised land, they kept on saying this is only the only promise of our fathers. That these are things that they've been believing God for generations. For generations. But you know why we don't see it in 10 years? We change our mind. That the gospel is not necessary for the development of a nation. Why? Because we believed in university. And then 10 years after you graduated, the road in front of your house has not been tied. I hope you are getting my point. So I will train the children, say, listen, if you walk in righteousness and come to believe this gospel of Jesus Christ, if he doesn't come, because one day he shall return. And again, let me just say teach them about the return of Jesus Christ. Not the date of, because you don't know, but preparing for it because no man knows the date. But I say until he comes, you will see the glory of God in this life. You don't change your doctrine. If you are believing God for healing, you are not perfectly healed. Teach your children that perfect health is the will of God. Teach them that perfect health is the will of God. Don't ever make any excuses for Satan. I read the book of one man once. said God does not always heal. Sometimes you believe God, but does not heal? Okay, fine. What do you mean by that? He said he has had tinnitus for a long time. So I told myself, bros, your tinnitus... It's not the word of God. No the word of His ears rings. this annoying, ring, persistent. If you have ever heard it before, it's very annoying. Your ears just ringing. Not, you know, everybody gets that for like one, a few seconds. You know, sometimes when you hear, you do like this, it vanishes, or you yawn, or you drink water, you do something, or you do nothing. After a few seconds, it goes away. Imagine that it's been like that for the last three years. The man said he had the issue. And he wrote a book to show that God does not always heal. I'm like, oga Because here they pay you. You're not serious. I don't have any problem. See, see, I don't have a problem with the fact that you believe in God for that. It hasn't manifested yet. But that's no proof that perfect 100% health is not the will of God. You should be asking yourself, you should teach your children. I've been having this tonight for the last eight years. I've prayed about it. I don't know why God has not done anything about it. But let me let you know. One day I shall know. And then we'll do what is right. And it will go. And if you are dying, I see a in your ear. Tell my children, you shall not have tonight. You will lay hands on them and say, I've carried the tonight for all generations after me. <laughs> but you will not revise the word of God because of your personal experience. I hope you're getting my point. In fact, maybe I should just sit on it now. That thing I wanted to read, I think a lot has helped me now, so I'll just leave that for a moment. How do you fight doubt? I said something at the beginning, one of the earlier messages. Desires are based on, there are some things that are instinctive. I said that. For example, if you are hungry, you don't need to be trained to want to eat. As soon as babies are born, they are licking their mouth like, What's going on around here? Where's where the milk? They don't know it's milk. Something has to go in. God trained them like that. They, so in, their, in the mother's stomach, they did they have that feeling. Uh, they didn't get the feeling of hunger much because the mother supplied the glucose constantly. But they were swallowing all the time also. They swallowed constantly. They swallowed the amnotic fluid. All right. They swallowed it all the time. Okay. So they're used to swallowing stuff. But as soon as mother's, um, this starts flowing through them, blood sugar drops lightly. Ah, they're like, what's going on here? So that's desire. It kicks in. Okay. Of course, after a few days, they start, um, well, after a few hours, a few days, depending, they start breastfeeding. Okay, it's an instinct. It's an instinct. It's just an instinct. But beyond those basic instincts, almost every desire we have in life is a result of training. It's a result of experience. Almost, listen, beyond those basic, like food, like you're cold and you don't have clothing, you need something to wrap yourself. Those ones are basic, they're instinctive. But every other desire you have is a result of training. Every other one. The kind of wedding you will have is because you saw it on television. Or you attended one. And it had an impact on you. There was a particular kind of car I liked for a very long time. And I think I still like it till today. Of course, the model has changed now. But for certain reasons, I still really like it. All right? This time around for a different set of training. (laughs) But the first time I fell in love with that car and I dreamt about it, I'm sure I prayed about it. I saw it in a movie. I won't tell you the name of the movie, so you won't go and look for it to watch. The movie is still available. This was like uh, in the 80s. I saw it in the movie. You know, it was driven by a king. Are you getting my point? There was a lot of you know royalty about the entourage. And they opened the door. The man will step down. I looked at this car. And I said, Father. There was a the kind of woman I wanted to marry at the time. I will whether I married that type or I did not. I won't, I won't tell you. I won't tell you at all. But I still remember where it began from. Ten Commandments. Moses and those Egyptian boys. There was a way their women stood beside them. In my young mind, it was television, you understand? The thing just captured me. It just captured me. It just captured me. It was the word of God that sliced it. it say "Stop that nonsense! I would have gone to Egypt to marry." <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I, Egypt. But of course, you know, so almost every desire we have really is is born of experience. Even as preachers, you may be, you know, sometimes we preachers we get confused. What do I mean by confusion? We are carnal, but we are carnal for the gospel's sake. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Okay, let me explain. If you're a non-Christian, sorry, a non-preacher, wants to believe God for, like a house, as an example, we say his canal. He wants the house to be like that. But when we want to do it, we want to believe God for a church, our church building. Because we put the name church building, it's still vain glory that is driving us. It's because we saw one church that they built for $4 billion naira. And we're like, God can do it everywhere. Then you come to Enugu, you buy land, in one bush, because that's the only place you can get that size. You start believing God every day. And because it's a church, you feel very righteous. We the same competitive spirit. It's the same vainglory. You can't even describe something to do for you more than a normal warehouse. Now I'm not saying the, the church building is bad, but what is driving you is also because you saw it, but then you feel righteous now. One day I was in a particular church one, the pastor said that we're um, not going to build our church now because um, I realised that the Bible says the glory of the latter house shall be better, greater than that of the former. Of the latter will be greater than that of the former, and that because in this city I'm one of the youngest pastors, our church will be finer than every other church in this town because we are the latter, and they are the former. And of course the children they shout to say, I look back and I say, Lord, thank you for your patience. Because it was nonsense. Pure rubbish talk. The, what the man said that I was there, it was all comparison. You were just comparing their own ministry with the ones that came before and how they must excel in the size and the glory of the building. All worldliness. I'm going to emphasize something. Many of the desires we have, they are engineered by experience. For that reason, listen to this. O. Of course, no building can be stronger than what it is built upon. I hope you're getting my point. Quickly, let's read this, Isaiah chapter 40. I just want to bring out this thing to us again. Let me just start from verse 6 so to save time. It said, a voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? He says, this is what he will call out. All flesh is grass, and all his loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, he says to us again, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Please notice that. Every other thing we fade. Every other thing that our desires are based upon, we fade. He said the only thing that stands forever is what? The Word, the word of God. That the time will come, that size of cathedral you are making noise about will no, no longer be invoked. I hope you're getting my point. Suddenly they will be having small, small centers everywhere with live streaming and people gathering. Now, I'm not saying that will happen. Then some, I'm just saying, just imagine a scenario in, in, in which that kind of thing happens. Somebody comes with a revelation that shows that a real church cannot be more than a hundred people at a place. And then you know this revelation will just catch. Next thing you know, big church will be breaking into small pieces. They will now be having multiple centers all over the place. Then suddenly the desires are, are, are changed now from building a massive cathedral that can sit 50,000 people to having 50 centers of 100 people each. Or 100 centers of 100 people each, the people start, how do I say it, you know, re- revising their desires. You know, let's take the car industry as an example. Another one is changing rapidly. It's change- oh, m- many car companies are saying by 2025 that they will not produce um, internal combustion engines anymore and only electric cars. And some have even predicted that within maybe the next 50 years, owning cars will be out of fashion that there will be no sense in owning a car. Of course, think about it. Your car is parked most of the time. If you're not a taxi driver, your car is parked at least 90% of the time. True of On the average, I'm giving average to it. Yeah, because you drive to work, you park it there. It's, that's part of parking. If you live in a place like Enugu, from your house to your office, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, then you park the car until you close by 5, 6 and you drive under 20 minutes back home, and the whole day, the car is in use for less than an hour. That's what they are saying. That's what they are saying. Now, for information, in case you don't know, that's how Uber started. That was the principle behind Uber. Not all this professional driving that you now get. The idea before was that you drop your car. While you are at work, the car is making money to pay for itself. So essentially, you get a free car. So if you have somebody who can drive it, You drive the car to work, hand it over to the other person. Then, once somebody needs it, they call you. He brings the car. He does a few runs for you and then returns the car back to you by the time you are going home. So, you may find out that you are getting enough money to pay for the car and having some extra. Of course, the person takes some. You take some. All right? And everybody's happy. So, they now said, okay, why own the car at all? That's the new teaching now. Why own the car at all? If at the press of a button, a car can be at your doorsteps in five minutes. What's the need to own a car? No, no, think about it for a moment. Is there need that this time around you can choose? You look and say, no, um, how many of us are going out today? You say, we are six. All right, let's get, um, a Sienna. You don't have to buy a Sienna. How many of us? Okay, it's so only me. Okay, let me get a Corolla. So they said that a time will come that suddenly, people would not, there will be no pride in owning one. You now have big car companies that own plenty, and you can rent a car at any time. When that time comes, you know, your prayer point will also change. Which country's visa are we looking for? If the world breaks down, out in one, you know, we don't want the visa anymore. And the prayer point changes. What am I going to say? And that's the reason why, when I was a young believer, they taught us that anything you want from God be specific. Let me be honest with you today. Temptation still comes to be specific. And you know what? I resist the temptation every time. Normally what brings out the temptation is testimonies. So I come and tell me that I ask the Lord to give me a 2020 blue car with this and that and that, this particular brand, with this particular make, and that's what I have outside right now. Oh, if you want... Ah, you know sometimes, jokes... When you say you want something like that, you say is this specific that God is asking for? But I've learned from experience, okay? And of course, first of all from the word of God, I dropped that thing long ago. I don't give such specifics. When I was a young believer, they told us that if you want to marry, you will tell God the exact kind of wife you want. You you her, her height, her weight. So would, uh, I'm telling you, I don't know where you grew up. When we grew up, <laughs> These are the we were taught. They say you leave on sketch and put on the wall. And you wake up every day and be looking at it. If you want the kind of car, you take a picture, put it on the wall. You know what I realized? The angels were laughing at us. You know what God was saying? You don't even know what your life will be like. How can you decide the kind of wife you need? Adam had never seen an Eve when I brought Eve to him. I reasoned about all of those things. I said, no, it doesn't make any sense. If you read my book, um, should I say yes? I told the story in there. So when it came to the issue of your praying for a wife, I just prayed only three prayer points, which were not specific in that sense. Two of them were based on the knowledge of right and the knowledge of purpose. One, I said, the Bible says that um, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I made that scripture a bit tighter. I said, don't be on Nicola you with an unserious believer. <laughs> what I just meant, okay, I didn't say it like that, is that the wife I want to marry must love the word of God. That's all. That was my number one. And my number two was that she must believe that I'm called to be a preacher. Because I don't I've heard of, look, what's the name of this man? Novelis. Novelis, the day he answered the call to ministry, told his wife he was going to start uh, preaching, his wife packed a bag and left. Did you hear what I said? She literally went inside, arranged some things in the suitcase, brought out the suitcase, told the husband she did not marry a preacher. And she walked out of the house and never came back. Never. Ever. Ever, ever. (laughs) With that kind of thing in my mind, I said, God, let's just avoid confusion. The wife I'm going to marry must believe that I'm called to teach. All right. Now, as for the other things, whether she's fair, dark, tall, short, Nigerian, Caucasian, that Caucasian thing was a problem, but, you know. (laughs) I kind of didn't want to marry a white person. Don't ask me the reason why. I can't tell you. I have, I had a reason, no. Okay. Let me just tell you the reason. I just felt that they used to divorce their husbands a lot. (laughs) That's all. That's all. That was, there's nothing more. There's nothing more. I just didn't want to holler that. And i will be saying, don't go, I'm begging you to stay. I said, I I said no, I, I, I don't want trouble. How many of you know this song? Oh, there's a particular song like that. Oh, most of you don't know it. Some people know it. It's an old song. It's very, very old. <laughs> said, I'm begging you to stay. And the man was singing the song, don't go, don't go. I said, ah, ah. So there are things you know, just believe God from the beginning. It will never happen. That's why I always tell where do we go the other day? Somebody was kneeling down for the world to, They were well, okay now nah, they do oh, get off with don't never begin marry, don't kneel down? Come on, stand up there. I say kneel down for a woman to give you engagement ring. I said rubbish, satanic principle. <laughs> 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 I'm not begging anybody. It's not the will of God. It's not the will of God. Begging, say, say, don't go, I beg you. You know what started it? You begged from the beginning. You kneeled down to give the engagement tree. Now they get say, kneel down again. The way you get the result is the way you will sustain it. Say, so kneeling. I'm not an, eh. so I, have I never saw you before? God will have put me out of ministry. By now, Kimbo okay, will be the one preaching. I'll be the one leading prayer.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Lord is good. I said, The Lord is good. Now, what was, what was I trying to say? So, that specificity thing, no. Because all those things, they were born of... I mean, remember my Egyptian women? It was in a movie I saw Egyptian women. And if you watch too many Indian films, they will give you another story. That's the truth. That's just the way it works. So, all those specificity things, I dropped them. They are pointless. They are pointless. You must understand something about God. Maybe you need a car. He knows the kind of car that will be a blessing to you more than you can ever know. Let nobody come and you know, dissuade, dissuade you with testimonies that I ask for this particular one. because Listen, some of the ones they're asking for, after all, some of these cars they're asking for, you're asking for acquisition, you have not asked for maintenance. I don't know whether I get my point. Yes, that If I give the car to you, when you maintain it for the first one year, you will ask me for get you a good buyer. By faith, they say, Lord, <laughs> <laughs> I sell it in the name of Jesus. I, a good buyer will give me a good price. Is it, because is it every day you'll be believing God for fuel money. As I'm about to fuel this car right now, I receive abundance to buy fuel. You no, know, There are some things, there's something I always say, there are times you don't give yourself some prayer points. I hope you're getting my point. Prayer point to pay for fuel is not the will of God. If you have to be praying to God to buy fuel, sell the car. If it's a nice car, turn it to a taxi. If you are too busy to drive it, get a driver for it. Split the money. You shouldn't be praying to God. Give me money to buy fuel. Ah, what is this? The evangelism car? you do not the one just drive. He said, ah, Pastor, how would I go out? What is wrong with entering Keke? You think you are too big for Keke? Those who are inside Keke, they are not the, they are not children of God. No, I am serious. I am not joking. You know, there are times I say something that I laugh, I'm not laughing, I mean it like that. You cannot be begging God for money to buy fuel By the time you ask him three times like that, you know what God is saying in effect. You see, you can't afford to run this thing. You can't. Leave it. Pack it. Pack it. Pack it. There's something I used to tell people, I said before you, you know, you know, some you know there are good phones in the country, man. Some of those when they break the screen, I didn't call any I didn't call anybody's name. More. you know the brand I'm talking about. When their screen breaks, if a phone will break and you will start crying, don't use it at all. Don't even go and buy special guard. Don't t- sell you tape it. So now go and put screen guard that make the phone look so ugly. The screen guard is like two inches thick, <laughs> be like prism on top of this thing. No, I'm serious. There's no need. Get one that if it breaks. You remove the screen, pop your finger like this, they give you nylon, you put them on top, the thing is still working. That's how you run your life. No, that's how I've always run my life. I can't be praying for maintenance. You know my reason? You are taking too much spiritual energy from me. That's, that's my reason. The spiritual energy is too much. The spiritual energy is too much. Let's use it for something else. Let's use it to pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's use it to pray for people who don't know Christ to come to know Christ. Let's pray, use it to pray that the ministry will go, that is the reach of the word. Come on. When I was in Lagos, I said, me? Good enough, I didn't have a car. I didn't pray, God, give me one. No, I just stayed in my house. I said, in the due season, it will come. I see my colleagues working, struggling. I said, don't worry. In due season, it will come. That time, first scarcity used to be a problem. I had a colleague, all right? His own philosophy was fantastic. Once first scarcity starts, he packs his car, removes the tire if necessary. He will jack it up. Literally, he will jack it up, remove his battery, and close the bonnet. I said, well, how far? He said, I can't kill for fuel. Now, until the first casting is over, the car stays there, I'll be going around with the bus. When the casting is over, he goes there, starts, you know, pulls the tires back, and then rolls the car. Then now I can buy it. He said this hassle is not worth it. I hope you're following my point here. All flesh is grass. All our desires, something leads to it. That's the make. Something leads to it. So if you are not, so it it will, it will it will change with the weather. You'll be praying for something today. Something will happen outside. Then you revise your prayer point. That's why I read that all flesh is grass. That's why I give a few examples. You are praying for something today. They make an economic policy change, um, adjustment. Then your prayer point changes. That doesn't glorify God. He said, but the word of God does what abides forever. So how do we fight double-mindedness? Place your What am I saying? Let your desires, thank you, be generated from that which does not change. The word of God is not always specific in details like that. But you know why? I'll tell you why God didn't do it so that the word of God was totally specific. He said because the word is what? Alive and active. That one means simply, it means the word of God is a living being. So, God knows the word. Now, let me use the word. The word knows more about me than I know about myself. The word knows where I'll be next year. The word knows where what I will be in 18 months' time. So there are desires I'm, I'm, I, 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 maybe I have now. But as I'll that specific desire, I pray the word of God that supports it. So the word of God gets up and says, Banky, you don't need this car now. Because in 18 months, I'll be moving you from Nigeria and you are going to Kenya. So manage yourself for the meantime. time. So every day I get them, and am believing God. He always make sure that I have a, maybe my old car is still manageable. I have somebody to give me a lift, a taxi will be available. I put in all these apps, all, the, all these uh, cab healing apps. And my life just runs for the next it, uh, 12 months. Then suddenly a job opening comes or my company calls me. as I work for a particular company. He said, listen, we've seen your performance in Nigeria. We're having problems with our branch in Nairobi. We'd like somebody with your experience to go over there. And suddenly you realize that If you had hassled yourself to get that thing, now you'll be looking for how to dispose of it. They suddenly dawns on you that oh, that's why God didn't even do this. So your boss says, Okay, you will wind down here for the next um, two months, then you move out to Lagos for some training after that you are going abroad. Can you see how your plans have just been scattered? Thank you. They have just been altered. Now that is one thing the word does, the word knows. The word knows. Please go and check something Jesus told us. He made it clear. He said, don't be occupied with what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or with what shall we do what? Clothe ourselves. know what he said? After these things, the Gentiles seek. He said, your Heavenly Father does what? Knows that you need them already. Your Heavenly Father knows that there are things you don't even know that he knows. I hope you're getting my point here. This woman is always my example. You know, I I tell the story all the time. Beauty Chambers. She did not realize that her calling in life was to preserve the teaching of a particular man. She didn't realize it. But the word knew. The word instigated her to make sure she learned how to write fast, shorthand. Her shorthand was phenomenal. And she was believing God for a particular job. I don't know whether she prayed the way we pray now, I don't know. But the job she wanted was to work for the British Prime Minister. And they said, to get that job, you have to be phenomenal in shorthand. So she trained herself and worked hard until she was excellent in shorthand. Then she applied for the job, and you know what happened? They declined her. Imagine she would have been disappointed. But if you understand that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is the kind of prayer we are supposed to pray. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord knows everything about me. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You know what the job he got? She got married. That was the job she got. She got married. To us chambers. I don't think it's particularly fantastic to be a widow at her age. Yeah, really, I don't think it's fantastic. That is like, the man was going to die at the age of 43. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced, that by the time she was marrying him, that age... Was already set. I don't know why. You know the age that John the Baptist died. John the Baptist, how old was he when he died? Thirty. 30. 30 thank you. All right. How old was Jesus when he died? Thirty-three. 33. Now let me ask you a simple question: Did you both of them die in the will of God? Jesus. So Some people say John did not understand the, 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 how to take his rights, that's why he died. I said you don't read your Bible well. He made it clear. That he couldn't run side by side with the ministry of Jesus Christ. He couldn't. And Jesus Christ had to, in fact, we're all happy he died that time. If you see that life, 2,000 years after, we say, well, when are you going to sacrifice yourself for us now? We're suffering here, man. <laughs> so he died at the proper time, I'm going to say. So I don't know why Oswald Chambers died the time he died. I have a long list, no, about a short list, about four or five things from scriptures that decide when Christians die. But I don't know which one applies in that particular case but I just, I just had this conviction that by the time she was marrying him, that date had been fixed for whatever reason. Either because of negligence on his part, I don't know, or, or commitment on his part, or he will walk with God so much, God will take him, I don't know the reason. But by that time, it had been fixed. By that time, it had been fixed. And God said, the wealth inside this man, and he was constantly teaching, he didn't use to do much writing. How do I preserve it? So God sent her on an assignment to go and preserve the wealth of teaching, the anointing that I had given to, given to the man. God gave, it, gave her the assignment to preserve it. Now she thought she was getting a loving husband. She did not know she was getting her assignment for life. At the age of 43, he took ill and died. I don't know how long they were married, but at the age of 43, the man suddenly died. Having written only one book, titled Christian Disciplines. Maybe two volumes, but not, not very big books. But all her notes, they now began to publish her notes as books written by Oswald Chambers. And you can't count less than 20 of them. Yes. Now I keep on forgetting. I to remind me that, Pastor, bring this volume that you keep talking about. Bring it here. When I, have a particular, I have the complete compilation. One fat volume. Fat volume that you need the eyes of a child to read. Fine print. Or you wear glasses. Or use magnifying glass. Fine print. Yes, it come, came out to be a fat volume. Almost all taken from the notes she took. The only one not taken from the notes she took is those two books, the, the books she, she wrote, Christian Discipline. I think there are two volumes, one and two. Of all the other ones taken from notes that she took. Do you know what? She never asked God for that. Her vision was not that, but that was her assignment for life. So as she was painting the picture, I see myself as a secretary to the British Prime Minister. I see you as a wife to a pastor mm-hmm. that's heavily anointed. I hope you know mind an anointed pastor, is an assignment from God. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it well. I'm preaching to my wife. <laughs> you have to do it well. You have to know what the anointing needs. Amen? I know Apostle will take this message home. I <laughs> can give it to his so wife. I say, listen to this part. Listen to this part. <laughs> you know that, you know, that's to make sure the anointing flows. You don't upset the man of God on the day he's going to preach. Amen. Everything he says that day is the word of God. <laughs> he says, I want to eat bees. He so the Holy Spirit needs bees. <laughs> the Lord is good <laughs> now the point I want to make is that that was her own assignment it wasn't, just, it wasn't about a, my relationship it wasn't, for God it was primarily about preserving a wealth of truth so he gave her to him and you know the truth he, now that's another thing let me ask you a question now it's possible but do you think he was really asking God give me a wife that can do fast stenography Do you think he knew it was only that for the three? I doubt. Maybe he was having plans to write. I'm going to write on this, write on this. And the people in heaven are looking say, You? When I finish doing all this teaching, you'll be exhausted and will have to take you home. So when, when he wanted to marry his own Egyptian woman, you know, remember my Egyptian woman? You remember my Egyptian woman? Yes, sir. God was laughing and said, That's not what you need. When he had finished watching Indian films, I wanted to marry Sunita. God said, "That's not what you need." When he wanted to marry an American citizen, so that the children can be American citizens, God said, "What? That's what you need." All the pictures he painted on the wall. As a preacher, your wife should be able to sing and play the piano. So before they call you up, you call Sister Banky. Please, can you just come up? And she just sings. Ha, 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 we worship Him. You know, so, what are you saying? There are people who think that as a preacher, yeah. your wife must be a singer. And God looked at us our chambers and said, what? That's not what you need. So imagine that He wrote all these jokes. So I want an Egyptian woman that sings. <laughs> whose name is Sunita. <laughs> he has written all that nonsense down. You know, God, we're looking at this guy, you are confused. What you really need is somebody who will go with you everywhere and record every word that you are uttering. That's what you need. I know that's not what you want. That's what you need. I don't have these details. I just imagine that the first time she did it, it was out of, well, what else will I be doing? I have this skill. Let me use it. She took the first note. Somebody said, wow, this is good. She began to take notes. She began to take notes. For she knew, you know the truth? None of those notes were published before he died. Not one. But she had, you know, his handwriting she had them in piles and piles and kept them well. When I'm reading this book, sometimes you get a particular point. You say, Mrs. Chambers' notes here could not be found. And that's, look, if you read the shade of his hand, he did an analysis of the book of Ecclesiastes from chapter one to the end. The last chapter is missing. They couldn't find the notes. Now, why is that remarkable? They could find all the other notes. You see, James from Genesis, they found all the notes. He analyzed the whole book of Genesis, the life of Abraham. They found all the notes. You see, sometimes they will give you the date. This teaching was given in Egypt. He died in Egypt, all right? On the 5th of May, 1912. They will give you the date and the venue. Because that's how she will write it down. She will write the heading, and then she starts writing. So every other thing she's looking for, God says, that's not what you need. So if I'm supposed to pray for a wife, now, having read all the, with all these things in mind, what will I pray? I said, God, listen to my message, um, how to find true love. In that message, I explained that how do you find true love? People have written all kinds of things. But the Bible gave us one line. Say, said, draw me unto you, let us run together. What does it mean for a child of God to run? Paul said, I'll run the race. There's an assignment God has given you. Draw me unto it, let us run together. I say, it's a person who together you can do the will of God for your life. There's no, listen, there's no, let me just say something by the way. Marriage, married people. There's no compatibility. Are we compatible? Is nonsense. And when I say nonsense, I mean rubbish. Once both of you are Christians, you are compatible. Listen, it's only when you don't have respect for the word of God. That is compatibility thing is an issue. See, Apostle, there are times eh, I just want to sit down and teach young Christian men and women what marriage is about. Especially these boys and girls that have not married. So that the girls can make up their mother they want to marry or they don't want to marry. Because this nonsense that people just think they a glorified boyfriend that they find. It's not true at all. I want to show you the order of God. Listen, if we follow the order of God, there's no reason why husband and wife will ever quarrel. There's no reason. The problem with husband and wife of course, is that they don't respect the word of God. Any, listen, if they feared God, what's compatibility? You know how God solved it? He gave the woman a commandment. He said, Adapt yourself to your husband. What rubbish compatibility is now? It's inability to adapt. That's why you want to stick with the way you are, and then he'll stick with the way that you, that he is. The two of you want to run together. Something they were in their head. You're not going to go far. What he he gave the commandment expressly to the woman. Adapt yourself to your husband. I've seen people tell me that uh, the reason why they divorce is because the woman is called to America and they are called to uh, (laughs) Missonguota. Rubbish. If I say this to make you laugh, you think God is stupid? If he really gave that wife to you, are you getting my point? He can't call her somewhere else and call you somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And Do you follow my point? Some people now say it's a man's world. Yeah, Satan, when Satan wants to talk. That's what they say. They don't understand the burden of a husband. Let me tell you the burden of a husband. I'll give you one word for it and you'll be afraid. That was why Adam ate the fruit. You think it's a joke? The burden on the husband is so heavy. Adam ate the fruit. The Bible says what? Adam was not deceived. I've said it. Many people have said it. That eh, She pestered him. She did not pester him. She gave the fruit to her husband. The man looked and said, what have you done? They told us not to eat this fruit. The day we eat you shall die. He died with her deliberately. You don't understand. When they say husbands love your wives, anybody that is a man's world does not know the weight of burden God has placed upon that man. Your submitting to him, adapting to him is to make his assignment easy. Once I tell my wife, I say, listen, I don't make any decision for my own good. Two reasons I make decisions. One, because I'm convinced it is right. And number two, is it good for everybody? You may not like it, but I'm just convinced it is right. One day my wife told <laughs> That time my wife used to travel, go here, go and buy things. She said, she said she one day came said she wants to go to Turkey. I said she talked and talked and talked, and if you go to Turkey, you buy this and that. I... I said, let me tell you something. If something goes wrong in Turkey, who do I know there? said, do you know why you go to London? I know many people. Your sister is there. My best man is there. He I I said, all of them are there. You think, I, I think I'm think i stupid to be letting you walk out like this? I'm watching you. <laughs> that, I'm talking about watching us pre, for preservation. <laughs> there was a time. It did really happened. My wife, she, you know the way they write dates? They wrote dates. She read it with like a Nigerian but it was written like an American. You know the way it is. Instead of writing 7th of July? They will write July 7th. They will abbreviate it. She got to the airport and realized that her flight had gone. And that one, she didn't have one cobble a gate. That is nothing. From the airport, she called me. I missed my flight. It's not this date. It's so-and-so so date. How did you miss it? I read the date upside down. Is God that just that? Of course, I just said there is no problem. You know what I'm going to say is that instantly I just said, "Okay, what do I do? Okay, go to the counter, tell them you are going to change your date." Instantly I was beginning to make phone calls. Please, you need to wire my wife this amount of money. She has to pay to change her flight to the next day. I know people there. If that happens in Turkey, bros, how could they shout Allah Akbar? (laughs) So then my wife talked, Doctor, and I sat her down. I said, You are not going to Turkey. You know, what's the normal thing reaction inside you women? Or why not? She didn't ask me why not, but I said I know what you are thinking. Let me tell you why. Because you married one crazy guy. His name is Banky. He doesn't understand why we should go to Turkey. That's the only explanation I have. I'm not going to explain further than that. I said, Maybe I'm mad, but my wife is not going to talk. Because if I want to kneel down and pray, I don't know the explanation I'll give to God. As any Turkish goods you want to market, go and look for Turkish importer in Lagos, in our nature, around town. But God gave you to me to keep, to guard and protect. And I cannot, my, my protective arm is not reaching Istanbul. Uh-huh. So, there was a time she called me from London my money has finished so I just called one of my friends please give my wife 2,000 pounds I'll give you back the guy said 2,000 pounds in this kind of place it's unusual I have to walk to the bank to explain to my manager why I need 2,000 pounds yeah he said they don't see those kind of cash they don't spend cash like that or they have credit cards but he said Nigerians he knows cash baba you know that's what we are. the guy literally had to go to the bank explain to them that he's not paying blackmail money. No, I'm serious. They want to know, is somebody blackmailing you? What are you buying? You are withdrawing 2,000 pounds? He explained to me Say, Bank, this is work. I said, bros, please. My wife needs it. And know nobody in Istanbul. I don't. Is it just, when I say, the wife says submit to your husband, it's because he has a duty to watch over Eve like Adam. Adam is. Sometimes we used to think, what's wrong with Adam himself? Adam was running after his wife. He wasn't stupid. The Bible said the, he, uh, the woman was deceived. The man was not deceived. The woman brought the fruit and said, What is going on here? Uh, you know, they said, We'll be wise. What kind of nonsense wisdom? In that day that you eat of it, didn't you hear? In that day you shall surely die. The man looked and What will happen to this woman all alone in death? He took the thing. You can abuse her down from that to tomorrow. Eh? If I miss that they abuse the guy because it causes a lot of problems. But that was love for his wife. So the, the responsibility is heavy. Make the work easy. I want you to talk about compatibility. Compatibility is not hard. It's all this stubbornness that makes compatibility difficult. When you you will not be able to listen, say we are both children of God. God did not know that when he said you should submit to me. You know this satanic stubbornness. You get my point, worldliness. I hope you know feminism is of the devil. Let me tell you, let me say it in English, in case you didn't hear me first time. I'll say it in English. Feminism is of the devil. Okay, let me say in better English. Feminism is satanic and devilish from the pit of hell. God gave you blessing. Submit to somebody who will watch over you. They say what a man can do, a woman can also do. A woman can also go to hellfire. There's no problem. <laughs> Why do you want to go to hellfire because a man can go there? I, I, don't, I hope I get my point. You so oh God, you know when I get to this marriage matter, would they help people? But you know, let's you know, you just get stuck there. It helps people. Stubbornness is not is not necessary. Women, are you hearing me? Stubbornness is not necessary. The Bible says, adapt. And I say, won't you self adapt to me? Once you have that statement in your heart, you've not gotten my point. I have an answer for it, but I won't give you the answer. You know why? You have not gotten my point. When did you ever go to your office and tell your boss, why can't you change the time of resumption to suit when you want to come to work? You know, this disrespect is plenty. Also, the wives will tell the husbands, what they can't tell, their bosses. That's not the will of God. I, we, if women would just respect their husbands half as much as they respect our God at work, Jews, who believe in heaven. I'm telling you the truth. But when they see our God at work, good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Everything, the knee almost don't break. You don't go... <laughs> when is the husband? Jude, hurry, hurry, hurry. I'm going. I call not laru komolori, like they say in Yoruba. You know what Yoruba man say? You're, you know in Yoruba culture, you can't call your senior by the first name. It's forbidden. They call it hitting him on the head with his name. Yes, that's the word. They say, look at the way you're hit him on the head with the name. If your brother is two years older than you, you can't call him by his first name without qualifying it. In my house, I banned all the boys and girls from calling their elder brother. Hacking for what? You have to qualify it. Somebody has to know there's hierarchy in this place. We have this culture of just, once we marry, finish. American, first name, pal. It's not, it's, it's not satanic, but it's not glorious. So that's how they do it in America. You look like an American to you. You are heaven, you are heavenly can. Are you getting my word? Do you know, you know that language, you know that country? Heaven. Heaven. They are from heaven. Teach Americans good culture. Don't copy it. Don't copy their own. And when they see good things, they admire it. So the ones I was on the bus in the US and a woman, the elderly woman came to the bus. I wasn't sitting in the elderly people's section or the disabled section. I was just sitting in a normal area. I looked left and right. There was no way for her to sit. She was looking around. I just got up from my seat and told her to sit down. If you see the wave of admiration, oh, that's so nice of you. That's so kind of you. That's so nice of you. That's so kind of you. I said, why I not stand up?
0: <laughs>
1: I come from Nigeria. Our elders can't stand beside us. You know, you'll be feeling like a sinner. <laughs> you'll be think that this bus will jump for your sake? You think your iniquity wrong so catch you. It wasn't something special, just the way you were brought up. Your dad is standing. Not, you know, it's reflex. You automatically stand up. When they see good things, they also know it. Jude will call Amaka, Amaka will say, wait. Does it make sense? Now, Jude is the husband, Amaka is the wife now. They, my own, I, I said, go to the office tomorrow. When your boss calls you, say, wait. If you still have that job at the end of that day. <laughs> Then it's the will of God. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh, now, how did we get into that now? We're talking about adaptation, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, I was saying so. Oswald Chambers could not have been praying, or well, may have been praying those prayers, but the word that is alive gave him the one that was perfect. What is true love? Draw me unto you. Let us what? Run together. And that's what matters to God. It's not Romanzo. Romance is all other things are what? Added. It's an addition. The purpose, God says, this woman help this man together. Because each person has a, an assignment of God. For couples, the assignments are complementary. He said, oh yeah, run. Run. And once you find somebody, if you're a single person, listen to me. Once you find somebody you can run with, he said, we are not uh, all this compatibility. You know, he likes to eat yam in the morning and me. I'm, an, I'm 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 a bread and oats person. Please tell your neighbour nonsense talk, <laughs> rubbish talk. People want to make important life decisions. They are talking about what he likes to eat in the morning. When my wife wanted to marry me, she signed up for a life of dryness. Yes, because I told her when these people go to the beach, I said you want to go and drown. I don't go. Do you understand? There are things that. That, that thing that they used to do, say, they, you, you do birthday party. For what? But now, if you see me do birthday party anniversary, it's called Love Thy Wife. Really, seriously, I'm not kidding about that. I could have lived my whole life. Although, that's one also I found from scripture. Okay? That is, is, is proper to celebrate. Celebration is the will of God. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it now. But, but the, the truth is that at least we adapt. We adapt where adaptation is easy. It's not about compatibility. It's ability to adapt. Ability to adapt. The Lord is good. So what did the world do? The world saw that um, Oswald Chambers needed to fulfill his ministry. So he gave him the greatest tool to fulfill his ministry. He thought it was going to be something physical, but it gave him a wife. And everybody thought of a wife the way, of course, they would think of a wife. But God said, no, you don't understand. This is the preserver of the anointing. And over a hundred years later, yes, over a hundred years later, he died during the First World War. Over a hundred years later, we spent so many minutes talking about him. You know, without that woman, we would never have known that he existed. The anointing would have disappeared when he died. But because of her, it was preserved till today. So you see, the word knows more than you. And the one good thing about the word of God is that when you pray the word of God, there's nothing like uh, uh, don't repeat your prayer. You can never repeat the word. The word is ought to be repeated. I hope you get my point. That you can't you can't blame somebody why are you repeating the word. The word knows more than you. So when we want to pray prayers, we pray prayers based on the revealed word of God. For example, why do we pray prayers for health? It's in the scriptures. The word is meant to all our flesh. Instead, of took our infirmities and our diseases. And by his stress, we have been healed. That what has to be established in us. It's not our personal desire that started it. The word started it. I hope you know from your scripture, Abraham did not have any idea concerning having Isaac. God waited until he was tired. So he came to God and said, what do you give me since I go, child? And God said, good. Now that you think that it's not going to happen, let me now give you my own word. Your wife will bear you a child. And Abraham laughed. Do you know why Abraham laughed? In case you have not heard me teach it before, it was not because he was funny. Because Isaac's name is what? That's not a joke. What did the woman say? The Lord has done what? Has caused me to laugh. So when the word of God came to Abraham, he burst into laughter. He wasn't doubting. It was excitement. I rejoice at your word, as him that finds what? Great treasure. So when the word of God comes, he generates desires. It generates desires. Take a country like ours. When we pray for the country, it's not because we just want a good life. God told us to do it. He said, pray for the rulers so you may do what? Lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. He says the will of God. So whether I like it or not, every morning, every day, kingdom word, everywhere, in my family we send prayers from the north to the south, from the east to the west. There's one we have been doing. We say, Lord, you are the Lord that makes wars cease. So wars cease all over Nigeria in the name of Jesus. And I'm praying for everybody to join with that scripture. That he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the weapons of war in Asunder. Declare that scripture over the land every day. Is it because we want peace? Yes, we want peace. But primarily because he said do it. He says, seek for the prosperity of the land where I send you in as exiles. We are from heaven. So technically, we're exiles on the earth. So it's the will of God for the nation we are in to prosper. It doesn't mean we want to die and hold the earth like this earth. I won't let you go. No, we have an assignment. Because of that, every day we pray for the head of state. Head of state has traveled now. I hope he will come back. We'll pray for peace for him. He will do what is you know, the one thing about these things is that God is faithful. What did I say? Every head of state that has passed. Do you know? At least since I grew up I understood some things. Almost every one of them, you see what God used them to do. If you, if I, time won't allow us, okay? I can just, I can just personally. When I heard the testimony of what God used, Abacha to do in some areas. Two critical areas. Two. Ha. And let me tell you something, eh? The country may not like the man, but God knew what he was doing. When I heard the testimony data, I said, My God. And we joined those who were making noise that time, not me, you know, we as believers. And because you see, sometimes what is precious in the sight of God has no value in the sight of man. This man is not balancing appointment well. God said, Go and check all the generals of David, they were his cousins. This noise you are making. Joab, Abishai, all those people. Joab was his sister's son. That was his nephew. And from that family, there were three generals, three commanders of David's army, from one woman, the sons of Uriah. If it's Nigeria, they say, why are you it that only his brothers that are in the head of the army? For your information, your head of the army must be somebody ready to die for you. Go and check Joab and Co. They were ready to die for David. Those guys, I'm not joking, if you threw a spear at David, they would jump in between him and the spear. You now go and say, "Okay, I need to get a, a general from the tribe done." You don't know. You don't know your job as a king. <laughs> God, knew, He knew what He was doing. Some of the things that God did, people were grumbling. At the end, just because we stream live, you know, before before we started streaming, we could gist, then we edit them out later. So a lot of gist has disappeared from my messages. See, it feels meant. Really, God was doing things. The current of the state also, at the end of his days, when you start hearing some things that God did, just trust God. That's one thing we need to do. Learn to trust. So when he says pray for the man, what do I do? Hey, pray for the man. Didn't he say vote for the man? There's a world of difference between vote for APC and pray for APC government. If APC leaves power, I won't pray for them one day. Why? I'm not a member of their party. I don't have friends there. All my friends in politics are in PDP. Seriously. Yes, they are in PDP. My friends who are in policy, who I know personally, who I love, who I will pray for, they are in PDP. But while APC is the federal government, we pray for APC nationally and pray for the PDP locally because our state government is PDP and we drank their Coke the other day (laughs) to celebrate the governor's history. So anybody that drank that Coke, you must pray. You must pray. If you drank the drink that day, the sorry, you must pray. And if you pray, they shall be chicken next time. <laughs> I'm telling you, the chicken may not be physical, it may be bigger than physical chicken. The Lord will make the city so prosper Amen. that your business will flourish. Amen. Your ministry will flourish. Amen. From here, they will hear of you in Australia. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We just need to obey the word of God. It's not our desire, it's obedience to what he has spoken. That is how we pray without doubting. I said something earlier. Please don't forget it. Let me just repeat it and I will close. And that's the fact that prayer is your duty. Whether the answer will come to your generation or not is not supposed to discourage you. Your hope can be handed to the next generation. Abraham did it. Isaac did it. Jacob did it. And we saw it in the life of Joseph. He had the expectation. So I've raised my children to believe in the country. Not in the country in itself. But in the, in, the, in the God that called them, that they are a blessing to the environment. They are a blessing to the environment. I mean, raise your children like that. Hand this hope over to them. Hand the hope over to them. Hand the hope over to them. That's how to pray without doubting. Is to focus, this. that is to derive the points from the word of God. If God allows us next time, we we'll start looking at various prayer points that God has given us. And we cannot be discouraged. You know why? The word itself is not changing. Sometimes there will be reasons around to be, to, to be discouraged. I hope you get my point. Why? Jesus told us, men ought always to pray and not to faint. And if he will say that, he never commands concerning that which is not a temptation. What I'm trying to say is that if the shall not steal, it means there will be reasons to want to steal. So when he says pray without ceasing, that tells you automatically there will be times you will be tired of praying. But instead of getting tired you pray again. I said it to us the other time. I need to repeat it again today. Anybody who tells you we have prayed enough is speaking for Satan. Good people speak for Satan. I hope you know. Peter spoke for Satan. So when I say they are speaking for Satan, many pastors are speaking for Satan. What are we supposed to do? Refuse to speak for Satan. Speak the word of God. I know what it says. Pray without stopping. That's what Paul said. Jesus said it like this. Men ought always to pray. And not get tired of praying. Let's bow down our heads and begin to pray.
0: Let's give the Lord thanks for the word we have received this evening. And say, Father, we thank you for opening our eyes again to truth. Thank you again for this fresh word from heaven. Let's thank him. Thank him for giving us understanding. Lord, we thank you for understanding. Thank you for giving us understanding. Thank you for correcting us again. Thank you for this word that you brought to us to renew our mind. Thank you for a mind renewal. Let's give him thanks. Just take some time to thank him. We are grateful. I'd like you to pray just one prayer point. Say, Lord, help me to stay on the word. Because that is what will never change. And when we stay on that word... We've learned that desires, our desires will be generated. So our duty is not to generate desires. Our duty is to stay on the word. So let us ask for grace to stay on the word. Like Mary did. That nothing will take us away from that word of God. That will be focused on that word. Nothing will take us away from the word. Pray. Pray. I will not be too busy to focus on the word. I will not be too busy to focus on the word of God. I receive grace to focus on the word. You know, you have a duty, and your duty is just to do that. The Lord that's generating the ideas is purely the work of the Holy Spirit. But we have a duty to run after the word. We have the duty to stay on the word. So we are asking for grace to do that. Pray, pray. Say, Lord, I receive grace. Like you're doing now. Giving attention to the word, fellowshipping with brethren, is grace that the Lord has released unto you. Pray that you nothing will take you away from this. Like He said, Mary has chosen the right path. Not nobody can take this one away from her. So pray that this word, this one, that you will continually stay in the word. Focus, pay attention to the word. Is our duty. So Lord, we ask for grace to do that. Father, we give you praise. For your word that you have sent to us this evening. We thank you. We give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord.